I've been waiting 23 years to say that. This is the Two Princes podcast. Two pr- no, don't get me started on that again. <laughs> I had forgotten all about it for a little bit. Son of a bitch. <sighs> Welcome to the FBI's Most Unwanted. I'm Matt. I'm Justin. And today we are back with Season 1, Episode 4. And I'm not going to bury the lead. This one is kind of um, pretty basic. So uh, unlike last week's episode where a lot goes on and it's pretty interesting, this one's kind of like a basic, I would call it almost generic X-Files episode. Considering it's only four episodes in, that's kind of a weird thing to say. But I was, I'm was i glad true. you said that because I was going to say, this one kind of bored me. Uh, like the only yep. real through line... Through this entire episode was involving Mulder's uh, sister and like mm-hmm. all I want to know is like a little bit more of that but even that mm-hmm. like this episode I I found myself so out of it for parts of it. I was just like okay yeah all right fact, I, I even wrote in my notes I have a few places where I just yada 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 over stuff exactly stuff that I was like ah this is all just not important so but it is a little bit about kind of um really th- like you said the only thing that's really a through line is kind of really establishing how much the supposed abduction of Samantha has really affected Mulder yeah and how that kind of affects his relationship to Scully yeah and Scully's relationship to him okay so this one is called conduit and um going to have to make uh, try and make this one interesting. We'll see what we can do. <laughs> so Scully pulls out her boobs. And Sc- oh, I, I wit. You know the fun thing about following Jillian Anderson on uh, social media now is she has a role in that BBC show or uh, British show Sex Education where she plays a sex educator, uh, sex therapist. And so she posts a lot of posts now that are just like, penis of the day yawny of the day where people send in like objects that look like dicks and vaginas and she posts them <laughs> so that's pretty funny um and a little bit arousing i'm not gonna lie anyway uh, so the cold open of this episode is in a uh, a campground you know there's a campfire going and there's a boy and girl sleeping by the campfire and uh, then their mom is in the camper sleeping inside your mom anyway um <laughs> nice the camper begins shaking violently and the mom wakes up and the mom wakes up and uh falls out of bed and there's a bright light and you can already tell oh look this is uh here comes a ufo type deal I don't know about you, but that's what I was. <laughs> well, yeah, it's a that's a pretty and then, uh, conventional you, idea of the. And you know, of, yep. Uh, then the boy 
uh, Kevin. The, that's what the mom calls him. Kevin! Uh, Kevin! Yeah, that's all I can think of when somebody says Kevin is uh, Home Alone. <laughs> uh, you know, he starts to go, Mom, Mom, and the woman crawls to the camper door, and the knob is way too hot to touch, and she finally yeah, gets the door. Yeah, it is. Ooh. Gay. My knob is too hot to touch. Oh, yeah. Can't yeah. touch this. Da-na-na-na. Boy, I'm off. Uh, yes, anyway, she she finally gets the door open, and the little boy says to her, Ruby's gone, and the mother's really upset and starts screaming, you know, Ruby, 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 and she looks up at the sky and can just kind of tell, abducted by aliens. Opening credits, and then we head to FBI headquarters, the J. Edgar Hoover building, and uh, Scully's having a meeting. And, uh, you know, her boss says to her, here's Mulder's latest acquisition report. He wants you guys to be assigned and get travel expenses to Sioux City, Iowa. And Scully realizes that the only reason he wants to go to Sioux City, Iowa is because of a tabloid headline that says, teen taken from tent by aliens. And she says, well, he must have more evidence than this. And all I could think of was, uh, remember at the end of, or not at the end of, but uh, when Jay in, first becomes an agent in Men in Black and Kay yeah. is like, let's go check the hot sheets. And the hot sheets are like the weekly world news. Yeah. All I could think of. <clears throat> anyway, uh, and Scully's boss says, nope, this is all he's got to go on is this tabloid article right here. And she goes, well. That's pretty strange, even for Mulder. And her boss is like, well, I think it has to do with this. And he hands her Samantha Mulder's, you know, missing report, her whole file, everything that Mulder's been trying to do for uh, the past 21 years since Samantha's been missing. Uh, anyway, so, you know, the, the boss is like, do you think that Mulder's... Basically, he asks if she thinks Mulder. Or, basically, he asks her if she thinks Mulder is okay. He's like, is this personal agenda clouding his personal judgment of real cases? And she's like, no. And he's like, I don't care. His weird occupation with fringe matters is a big problem. Uh, you're not going to get to go. And Scully's like, no, no, no. Let me talk to him. Let me figure this out. And. Then this is one of the parts I yada 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 over because they have one of their arguments about it's the, the same damn argument. Like at first, it's mm -hmm. like it, it's definitely not this. She definitely doesn't bring up like the stuff about his sister, right? But it's the very yada. It's the, like you said, it's very just boring. It's just like yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter. You're gonna go, and they're gonna come up with some stupid reasons. Uh huh. Yep. Um, she's like, you know, why are you following this out of the tabloid? How come this is any better than the hundred-year-old mother with a lizard baby? And Mulder says, because the lizard baby wasn't born anywhere near Lake Okaboji, which is, you know, now we know that Mulder is going somewhere with this. And he says, you know, Okaboji is a UFO hotspot. And there's a lot of sightings, including this 
troop of Girl Scouts here. Read me the names of these Girl Scouts that saw this UFO back in 1967. And she starts reading them and Mulder throws up a projection of the tabloid article. <clears throat> and uh, Scully gets to the name Darlene Morris and Mulder points at the article. And the name of the mother in the article that said her daughter was abducted by aliens is dun 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 Darlene Morris. <laughs> That's Mulder's ev his case in this one is really weak. Like, there's, there's, they, he is grabbing at straws for this one. Yeah, and this is this is the earliest indicate because I do have a problem. I love the X Files, but I like a lot of things, like pretty much all art. It's not perfect, and pretty much uh, one of my biggest problems in the series is that no matter how outlandish or how thin Mulder's case is, Mulder always gets to be right because it's a show about strange things. Like, Scully almost never gets to be right. Yeah. So, even though in this episode all he has is a tabloid headline that says Teen Abducted by Aliens, and he has a name... Uh, that matches this woman at the same lake, he gets to be right again. <laughs> so, this is one of those episodes. Anyway, they head to Sioux City, Iowa, and they go to the Morris house, and they go inside, and uh, they meet Kevin, the little boy, and Kevin is just sitting at the table doing what we think is drawing. <clears throat> and... Uh, so Scully goes off to talk to Darlene or whatever, or she goes to get them tea or something. I just watched this episode this morning, and the details are, like, escaping me. I took notes, but very thin notes. <laughs> that should say something about this episode. Um, and Mulder starts looking at all the family photos, and he sees this one of Ruby as a little girl, and it obviously starts making him think about his own sister because he gets all kind of, like, choked up and like touches the picture and everything um and another yada 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 where darlene and Mulder and scully are all talking about what happened and you know she's like oh kevin's been acting real strange and scully's like well, you know, was there a custody battle in your divorce and darlene's like nope nope no custody battle couldn't have been uh, my ex-husband because this is just like before and Mulder's like oh you're Girl Scouts in 1967 and um, more there's a lot of yada 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 here something about weather service balloons and all this crap and finally Darlene says well they took her didn't they Mr. Mulder and he's like well let me just go talk to Kevin and this is one of the only interesting parts in the episode, I think, where Mulder finds Kevin sitting in front of this staticky TV, which there's no such thing as staticky TV anymore. That dawned on me this morning. Yeah, because I saw this and I immediately <laughs> thought Poltergeist and it's like, yeah, because everything's so digital, there's no reason for static TV anymore. <laughs> exactly. Like if a TV channel isn't there, it's just a blank screen. Yeah. So. Uh, and so he's sitting there and we still think he's drawing and Mulder's like, you know, can I sit with you? Uh, your mom says you've been having nightmares. You want to talk about them? And the kid's like, nope. And finally Mulder looks at what the kid is doing 
and we see that on this pad of paper all he's doing is writing binary code just one zero 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 one 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 zero one zero one Oh, I'm going to sing the song now. That's what I was doing. Yes. One, zero, 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 one, 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 zero, one, zero, one. For anybody that doesn't know, that's Clutch. Great band. <laughs> Amazing band. Go listen to yep. them. <clears throat> Amazing band. Uh, and so Mulder's like, what are you doing? And the kid's like, I don't know. And Mulder's like, are you making something? And the kid nods. And uh, Mulder's like, can I look at that? And he starts noticing that this kid's whole notepad or drawing pad or whatever is covered in binary code. And Kevin just points at the TV and goes, it's coming from there. Is that why? That made me think of Poltergeist too. Yep. There. There. (laughs) Also made me think of the Poltergeist episode of Family Guy. (laughs) Oh dear. It seems like. Seems like the portal is in your daughter's bum. <laughs> hey, Lois, I'm gonna do that. You're gonna laugh. You're gonna laugh so hard. You're, you're gonna love it. They yep. took a wrong turn. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So anyway, uh, it's coming from here. Then we go to the police station, and Mulder's sending a fax, and he says, "You know, I don't know what it is. Just check it out for me, please." Blah blah blah. Sheriff says something about maybe Ruby running away. Wouldn't have been the first time. Uh, She's not a great kid. And Darlene has an active imagination. And is just making up alien abduction to cope. Uh, Mulder and Scully go out to their car having another argument. And find a note on the windshield that says, I'm across the street. Follow me. And they look across the street, and there's a blonde girl standing in front of the library. So they run across the street, and they follow her inside. And this is a 90s trope thing. This is some I don't know if they still do this in movies and TV shows or not, but somebody standing on one side of a library bookshelf talking through the books at the other side. It's so (laughs) stupid. It's so weird. It's like makes no sense. And it's not very undercover either. You're standing there looking through the gaps. You're like the most obvious thing in the world. (laughs) It's so stupid. (laughs) But there's a scene in Boy Meets World just like it where Sean is on one side of the bookcase and Corey's on the other side of the bookcase and they're talking to each other. And I'm like, in what world does this work and not seem super obvious? Yeah. So ridiculous. Anyway, this blonde gal, she tells Mulder and Scully, she's like, well, you know, uh, Ruby was supposed to go see her boyfriend Greg up by the lake, and she disappeared because Ruby was pregnant, and they planned to leave town, and they're like, well, who's this Greg? Did you know him from school? And she's like, nope, Greg didn't go to school. He just worked out at the Pennsylvania pub, so... They go out to this place, and it's this biker bar, and they walk in, and they go up to the bartender, and they ask to see this Greg guy, and the bartender's like, nope, can't see him, don't know where he is, he called in sick three weeks ago, haven't seen him since, and this is when Mulder actually does something I think is pretty clever, uh, where he sees that the bartender has a UFO tattoo, and he's like, oh, what's that, and 
bartender's like, well, what does it look like? And Mulder's like, you don't really believe in that UFO stuff, do you? And the guy's like, well, yeah, but apparently you don't. And Mulder's like, nope, I think it's just a bunch of crazy people howling at the moon. And Scully's face, she gives him like a priceless look. <laughs> like, just this what the fuck kind of look. And the bartender goes, well, so you haven't been out to the lake, have you? And Mulder's like, nope. And bartender says, well, if you go, you might see something that changes your mind. And he pulls his hair back and he shows Mulder and Scully that his ear is completely burned off, uh, which is fucked up. And he says, you can get a killer sunburn in the middle of the night. (laughs) So, I mean, this is another one of those weird 90s tropes or even earlier than that. It's um that I find kind of hilarious now is how everyone in how they treat the biker bars. Mm-hmm. Like you don't see that anymore. Like they walk into a biker bar and immediately everyone stares at them. Yeah. I mean, well, like they're the only ones there in suits. And, yeah, and, and I don't crap. think that's really a thing anymore. But it's just funny to see that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh yeah, this was a thing. It's it's weird. It, it was seeing a li- these seeing these like weird like tropes that were like such a big thing that back in the yeah. day and seeing it now and it's like and seeing it now and be like wow that's stupid was it in daredevil or punisher that ha- i think it was daredevil had a biker bar right with a bike gang and uh it was no it was, the, it was like the first episode of punisher okay because the reason i thought or punisher- maybe the first episode of season two of daredevil yeah, I think it was Daredevil because I remember Punisher being there, but I feel like it also had something to do with... Da- I think it was when Punisher was in Daredevil. Anyway. Yeah. But you're right. You don't see it very much anymore. Biker bar type thing. Anyway, uh, now it's at the hotel. It's 5.30 in the morning. Scully's sleeping in those sexy purple silk pajamas that... Uh, <laughs> Oh boy, gets me all riled up. And she sees uh, shadows of men outside her room. I promise one of them wasn't me. Um, her doorknob rattles. Again, not me. Uh, she gets out of bed uh, to go for her gun, and a bunch of agents just kick the door in and are like, Where's Mulder? And then we're in Mulder's room, and Mulder's sitting there with his shirt off, which is interesting, but not as interesting as Scully with her shirt off. Anyway. um, (laughs) We have priorities, people. I have priorities, damn it. Um, And so the the agent says to Mulder, where'd you get the document? And Mulder's like, might help if you told me what you're talking about. And so they hand him a picture of this binary code that Mulder had faxed to Washington earlier and Mulder's like this is a document this just looks like a bunch of ones and zeros to me and the agent just goes well tell me where you got it and Mulder's like no look I don't answer to you you're not you're not you know my boss I don't care that you're the NSA basically screw off i'm not telling you anything and the agent's like well i could hit you with an obstruction of justice charge and Mulder's like nope just tell me what it is Uh, i want to know what this is why is it a big deal and the agent's finally like well that's a fragment of a highly classified defense satellite transmission and Mulder's like great uh if i figure out where it came from i'll tell you 
because he obviously doesn't want to give the little boy up, which is admirable. Yeah. Um, but one of the other NSA agents gets a phone call, says, nope, we got him. We know where it came from. And they hurry out of Mulder's room, and this is when Scully comes in, and we find out she's the one that told. And Mulder's like, oh, you shouldn't have done that. And Scully says, you know, they're the NSA. There might be a national security threat. And Mulder's like, he's an eight-year-old boy. He can barely do math. How is he a national security threat? And Scully says, well, then how did he even get highly classified satellite transmissions? And this is uh, now we go back to the house, and it's the NSA agents just ransacking that Those guys boy. are dicks. <laughs> it seems like a very inefficient way to search for something. I don't know. Yeah, you throw things to the middle of the room and destroy a bunch of crap because, like, a, like a kid's belongings because. Like, yeah, it's so inefficient because if it makes more of a mess and it's like, wait, do we actually check this stuff? It's, yeah. It's just so it's, stupid. It's so weird. And they, like, break his piggy bank open and everything. And I'm it's like, ins- okay. Yeah. I'm like, wow, you guys are assholes. That's not exactly how I would search for something, but okay. <laughs> um, and, you know, Mulder and Scully pull up and they see... Darlene and Kevin, they're being taken into custody, which is, you know, a thing that is a little weird, but they're taking a little boy into custody. And then back inside, you know, the NSA, they find stacks of pages of this binary code, and Mulder says to them, well, you guys sure do delicate work. And they're like, whatever, we got what we want and we're leaving. <laughs> Later, nerds. Later, nerd. basically, yeah. And so Mulder kind of like looks out the window and he notices that the top of the camper is all like burned up. And so he goes downstairs and he climbs on top of the camper and checks out all the burned parts. And then we go back to the FBI office and Mulder and Scully are trying to check up on what happened to the boy. And this other agent is like, well, we looked at all 77 pages and it all was investigated and fed into the computers. And other than that one little snippet that is part of the transmission, nothing else looks like it's a security risk and we're going to let the boy go. And Scully's like, so it's just a whole bunch of random ones and zeros. And the agent says, nope. Nothing random about it. And she explains binary code to them, which, uh, in case nobody knows, computers process everything in ones and zeros, and they change the ones and zeros into pictures and sound and everything that people can actually read. Uh, So she starts plugging in things that were written on Kevin's pages, and it turns out to be some famous stuff. Like, some of it is... Uh, Leonardo da Vinci's Universal Man drawing and some of it translates out to a DNA double helix and some of it translates to music and parts of the Koran and parts of Shakespeare and Mulder's like, huh, this is kind of like somebody changing channels. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I tell you. Um, 
And some more yada 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 here where Mulder tries to talk to Darlene when she gets released and she just goes, nope, nope, uh, don't talk to me, don't talk to my boy, we, you know, this is awful, don't come near us, which she's justified in that. Like, she thinks Mulder and Scully gave her up, which Scully did, she gave her up, so... <sighs> yeah. Um, then there's some driving bits in the car. <laughs> then, they're, then they're driving. A lot then of driving bits. A lot of driving bits. Um, and but this is the part where um, Mulder is talking about. You know, I think that Kevin is a conduit to whoever took Ruby, and if there was an alien abduction, Kevin was touched in some way, which sounds so dirty and wrong. Yes. Talking about a little boy being touched in some way. Ugh. No Catholic priests were involved, I promise. <laughs> um, and Scully finally just says, Look, Mulder, I know why this is so important to you, but I, I get that it's about Samantha, but there's no evidence of alien abduction. And Mulder's like, Well, that's why we're going to the lake. Because he just has to be right, apparently. Yeah, it's always the case. And uh, at the lake, Scully's like, well, they were sleeping really close to the tree line. Anyone could have come out and grabbed her. And Mulder's like, nope, look at the top of those trees. They're wicked badly burned. That's evidence of extreme heat. And Scully says, well, no, that could have been an electrical storm. And nothing says that those trees weren't burned the, you know, the night they got here, that they weren't burned already. And Mulder finds a piece of glass in the sand on the beach, which he says uh, an electrical storm couldn't have done. And I actually think that's not true. I think lightning absolutely can turn sand to glass. I I'm think it can too. Uh, I'm going to Google that real quick. I yes. think that's a fact. Can lightning turn sand to glass? I'm pretty sure it can. Because I think that I was watching it and I'm like, he's still wrong like, yeah <laughs> i mean it turns out he's right but i'm i'm watching it going I but think still he's, he's wrong not yeah right. i think lightning does turn sand to glass because lightning's really fucking hot so anyway well that's loading because my google is being a little slow uh he's like nope anyway here's this piece of glass this is proof something weird was here uh, something burned the roof of the camper, something burned those trees, and something abducted that girl. She didn't, like, just get killed or run off with her boyfriend because she was pregnant. Aha! When, next... it hits a, when it hits yeah. a sandy beach high in silica or quartz and the temperature goes beyond 1,800 degrees Celsius, lightning can fuse the sand into glass! Yeah. Aha! <laughs> so Mulder is wrong! <laughs> Son the, of the, a this, bitch. <laughs> this next part actually kind of made me raise a bunch of questions because like after talking about that and like all of a sudden a wolf comes out of the woods yeah and all of a sudden and, the wolf just appears and, and then like, Mulder decides to just follow the wolf for no apparent reason but it leads him right? to the, the body of the boyfriend it's and I'm so just like weird. I'm Why like where you? what did, what made you think that's a, something that's like oh that's a reasonable thing to do see a wolf follow it yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Like, just because you happen to see the wolf doesn't mean you're going to... That the wolf is evidence. But yeah. But turns out the wolf 
leads him right to a shallow grave with stones piled on top of it. And the police come and they uncover a dude, it turns out. It's not, Ro it's not Ruby, it's Greg, because they find his wallet and they're like, it's Greg. And Mulder's digging through the wallet and he finds a note that says, Dr. Jack Fowler, August 7th, 2.30. And at the police station, he realizes, hey... The handwriting on this note matches the note we found on our windshield. Um, so they bring that girl in, and turns out her name is Tessa. And she was the one that was pregnant, not Ruby. And Greg was the father of her baby, and uh, Mulder... Actually, this is one of the only... Because they talk a lot over the series about... Despite the fact that he does all this weird shit, Mulder is actually a pretty damn good FBI agent. Yeah. And this is one of the only times you really see, like, his regular FBI agent stuff. Is when he's being like, So you killed him, didn't you? You... You, you met him there, you knew they were going to meet there, so you went, you waited for him, you killed him, you waited for her, and then you killed her too. Where'd you bury her body? And Tessa's like, I, I don't know. And Mulder's like, you, you don't even remember where you buried her body after you killed her? And Tessa goes, no, I didn't kill her because she wasn't even there the same night, which he just trapped her into admitting that she is the one that killed that Greg guy. Um, so he did do pretty good FBI stuff there. And another Mulder and Scully argument, and this is where I put in my notes, yada, 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 Ruby is probably dead, yada, 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 Tessa, Tessa is a liar. <laughs> Yada, yada, yada. Mulder still thinks Ruby was abducted by aliens. Yada, yada, yada. Scully thinks it's over. Yada, yada, yada. Mulder isn't leaving and walks away. That's <laughs> pretty much it. Yep. And Scully goes, Mulder, just stop. Stop running after your sister. This isn't going to bring her back. And um, the thing Mulder says here is actually pretty touching. He just turns around and he looks at her and he goes, come with me or don't come with me. But until I find a body, I am not giving up on that girl. And he turns around and walks away. And Scully, of course, goes with him. So they go back to the Morris house. And the door is open, and they go in, and they're like, you know, Darlene, Kevin, anybody here? Kevin! Kevin, you spent a hut! Kevin, you spent $567 on room service! Yes. <laughs> That's at the end of Home Alone, too. Um, uh, no one's in the house, but the TV is still on, still all fuzzy. The sheets of the binary are all over the floor. The tea kettle is still on the stove, and while Mulder is sitting there just staring at the floor, trying to figure out what it's all about, Scully says she's going to go upstairs to look for somebody, and when she does go upstairs, she happens to glance down and goes, oh my god, Mulder, come here, and, they run, and he runs up the stairs, and when they look down, uh, the way the papers are laid out, and the way that he colored the ones and zeros... It just forms one giant portrait of Ruby. And this is the part where I'm like, well, isn't that 
convenient. <laughs> By the way, the whole plot of this episode, I don't know about to you, but the whole like thing doesn't make much sense. Like this so, whole episode makes absolutely no sense. Like, it's like okay, so they he's because somehow connected to what the aliens are thinking about just because he happened to be sleeping next to her sis- his sister when she was abducted. But not only that, but it's this it's so many plot holes like because after this they go they go to the woods cuz that's where Kevin and mm-hmm. they they all are. But there's never a reason why they just left the apartment like in disarray or with like the like with the teacup. It's like they just went out for mm-hmm. a nightly drive or something. And they're like, yeah. oh, it's okay. Like, our house may burn down. Like, yeah. literally, there's, like, no rhyme or reason to most of the stuff that happens into in this episode. Right. I think it just is something about... I mean, we'll find out in a few minutes that Kevin probably has something to do with it. But, yeah, the fact that the mother didn't even bother to turn off the stove is kind of weird. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but uh, this entire episode really is a thin framework to kind of delve into Mulder's uh, never-ending grief about the mystery of his sister's disappearance is really what it comes down to because uh, while Mulder and Scully are driving out to try and find Darlene and Kevin at the lake Mulder says to Scully, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I had this ritual. I would close my eyes before I walked up to my room because I thought that one day when I opened them, my sister would be there just lying in bed like nothing ever happened. You know, I'm still walking into that room every day of my life. And that's when all of a sudden they're at the Morris's camper and there's nobody in the camper. Uh, So they run into the woods because they see a trail and they hear, um, you know, somebody yells and they run in and they find Mrs. Morris and she's on the ground and they're like, well, where's Kevin? And she says, I couldn't keep up with him. And Scully stays there and Mulder runs after the kid and he finds Kevin walking towards this weird glow and there's this you know, loud noise and this weird glow and Mulder runs to catch up with the kid and it turns out it's a motorcycle gang. Um, Cool. Cool. Uh, And Mulder (laughs) tackles the kid to the ground while the motorcycle gang rides by for no real discernible reason, just partying on their motorcycles, I guess. And when the motorcycles go by, Kevin just goes, she's back. And Mulder's like, you know... I don't think so, kid. Like, I know I know what it's like. I know you want her to be back. And Kevin's like, no, no, she really is. I can feel her. And Scully says, you know, Mulder. And he gets the kid and he runs back into the woods. And there's Ruby. And she's unconscious. And Scully's giving her CPR and all that good stuff. And then we end up in the hospital. And... Mulder and Scully are there to see Ruby. She's been awake for a little bit. And uh, Scully says there's no visible sign of what caused her to be in a coma, but her white blood cell count was very high. And then Mulder says, "Is there were there unusual levels of a bunch of medical stuff I don't understand? 
Um, Scully says, yeah, how did you know? And Mulder says, they're symptoms of prolonged weightlessness. Astronauts have reported similar imbalances. And uh, Scully gives Mulder a classic, I don't understand what just happened look. Uh, Kevin lets Mulder and Scully in to see Ruby. And Mulder says, you know, where were you? Can you tell us? And Kevin says, it's okay. He knows. And Ruby says, I'm not supposed to tell. They told me not to tell, which is what aliens always supposedly tell the abducted people. And Ruby won't say. And that's when the mother shows up and says, you don't have to say anything. And Scully's like, you're right. Let's just, let's go. And out in the hallway, Darlene is like, you know, does that classic thing. Don't talk to my kid ever again. We're just going to put this all behind us. We, we don't want anything to do with you. And Mulder argues, yeah, but she wants to tell her story. And this is a whole bunch of more yada, yada, yada that just ends the exact way you knew it was going to end. Darlene says, don't come near us anymore. We don't want to talk about it. Goodbye. And that's the end of that. And then the episode goes to a picture of an old school tape cassette player. And the tape in the player says hypnotic regression therapy. And uh, a hand takes the tape out and flips it over and hits play. And it's Scully. She's listening to old tapes of Mulder being hypnotized to remember the night that Samantha was disappeared or taken away. And uh, there's a little nice transition. Scully picks up a picture of Mulder and Scully or Mulder and Samantha rather and she looks at it and it zooms in on the picture and when it zooms out it's Mulder holding the picture and he's sitting in a church just looking at the picture and crying and the episode ends with him crying and the voiceover from the tape is playing in the background and it's Mulder's voice and he says a voice is telling me not to be afraid no harm will come to her one day she will return and the therapist says, do you believe the voice? And Mulder's voice hesitates and says, I want to believe. And the screen goes black. And that's the end of that episode. Credits. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Buy those posters as I want to believe. Buy those. I want to believe. <laughs> Buy the poster. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that was Conduit. Um, thoughts. Besides the ones we've already expressed. I mean, I'm, I'm already just going to say uh, my letter grade right sure. off the bat. Mm -hmm. uh, I give this a very, uh, I think, forgiving C+. Mm -hmm. the, only, the only thing that kind of kept it interesting, sort of, was, was everything involving Mulder's sister. Like, him and his whole... But, like we said before, like... This episode yada yada and just was so thinly put together mm -hmm. that had made no sense and that that it just like by the time you got to the end it was like wait what how did we get here? Yep, I'll echo that. Uh, thin kind of thin C plus. Um, only personally because I know there are a few down the line. 
that are actually real stinkers. <laughs> like, hooray! Um, but that happens with every show. Um, if you listen to Two Broke Geeks, you've heard me talk about some stinkers from South Park this season that I have just really hated. And South Park is a show I love. So, um, yeah, C. I don't think anything super interesting happens. Um, the case that they're on isn't even really that interesting. Yeah. I mean, um, uh, like, seriously, like, it ends with the kid almost getting murdered from a motorcycle g- group. <laughs> I know. It's so weird. She's like, seriously? In a motorcycle gang for, like, no real reason except that they had, like, a biker bar earlier on in the episode. They all, and they had to put in the one line. It's like, you should come riding with us. I'm like... Oh, that's like, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just like, oh, come on. Are they seriously? And then, like, that's how they, like bring that Mm -hmm. back (laughs) yeah it's like you said earlier motorcycle gangs were a real i mean i motorcycle gangs were one of those things back in the 90s that were like real like people were afraid of motorcycle gangs like you wanted to show like a group of tough dangerous guys you showed a motorcycle gang yeah um so that was just kind of yeah not the best episode by any means uh, I don't think I have much, which is interesting because let me look up real quick. I actually think this one was written by some of the better people that write on the series too. I forgot to look that up before we started the show. Um, normally I do conduit X files because I normally it's like, Oh, no, I'm wrong. It was not written by the people I thought it was written by. Uh, Alex Gansa and Howard Gordon. Howard Gordon, I feel like, has written some of the other episodes of The X-Files that are good. But Alex Gansa does not actually ring a bell. So I guess I was wrong. And this one was directed by Daniel Sackheim, which also doesn't ring a bell from any other episodes that are like some of the ones I would say are the best, but I could be wrong. I don't have the director of every episode memorized. I just know which ones are usually directing the really good episodes. So, yeah. Um, anyway, next time. Oh no, I'm going to prepare you next week's episode is also not see this is the thing with a lot of first seasons you run into some bumps as the show tries to figure out what it is and next week's episode is another one of those bumps it's a monster of the week episode called the jersey devil Alrighty then (laughs) yep and i remember that episode pretty well and i'm gonna just forewarn you buddy and our audience that that is another one of those bumps but um I'm going to look here and just make sure because there are some other good episodes in season one, but I think, uh, I think, I think we might have to go a little bit longer. Let me double check what episode six is because that's in a couple weeks. Oh no, episode six is actually really good. So we have one more bump and then the week after the episode coming on is actually pretty dang good. All right, cool. So the Jersey Devil is everybody's homework for next week. And until then, 
Just keep on believing, I guess. <laughs> yes. Kind keep of believe. Belie- Just want to believe. Want to believe that it's going to get better. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Later. The FBI's Most Unwanted is a production of Two Broke Geeks Entertainment and is part of the Atomic Geekdom Network. Find the flagship Two Broke Geeks podcast wherever you download podcasts or online at twobrokegeeks.com. You can find the Atomic Geekdom Network at atomicgeekdom.com. Our artwork is by Justin Kowalski. You can find him on Twitter at J underscore Rocka. Our theme music is by Tony Longworth. You can find him on Twitter at Tony Longworth or on Facebook, Tony Longworth Dark Composer. You can help out the podcast by subscribing and leaving us a review. Thanks. Thanks.